Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the start of the second half of the season, the Bears look to rebound and get 2014 back on track on Sunday Night Football in a rematch with the arch-rival Green Bay Packers. Can the Bears relight this fire to win, or will our downward spiral continue? All of this and so much more on the Week 10 Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Well, the second half of the season is upon us. The bye week is over. The Bears just a couple of days away from kicking things off with the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back into the swing of things, the Week 10 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We're going to be talking about the Bears' upcoming matchup with the Green Bay Packers and how basically the Bears are in playoff mode for the rest of the season because as we talked about on the mid-season review episode a few days ago basically the bears have to be damn near perfect between now and the end of the season if they want to see a 17th game this year you know the you're guaranteed 16 games every single season you'll play 16 but you got to earn the 17th one and so far the bears haven't done much of anything worthy of making you think that they're going to get to that 17th game. So uh, lots of work to do over these next eight weeks. Um, it's a blessing and a curse that five of those eight games are A, at home, and five of those eight games are B, against division opponents. So these are familiar faces. These are you know teams that we see that we know very well. Uh, you know, obviously the flip side of that, these are teams that, that see us all the time, teams that know us very well. So, But four of those games against the Vikings and the Lions, and despite the Lions playing well, the second half of the season is where they tend to falter. And, you know, we'll see if that pattern holds as the season goes along. But both the Vikings and the Lions with brand new head coaches. So these are regimes that are just kind of getting underway with each other. So maybe that's something that we can take advantage of. I mean, I know we're only in year two of our uh, new regime, but, uh, you know, any experience is 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 good experience, I guess. But, um, you know, it's, oh, goodness gracious. And, you know, I have a very interesting take on the preview um, you know, that I'll share with you guys in a few minutes when we get to that. Uh, got a few news and notes, nuggets that we want to get to uh, first, uh, so we'll have that segment here 
uh, in just a moment. You know, it's 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 a pivotal game uh, on Sunday. Um, it's on Sunday Night Football. Mark Tressman, fairly decent record, uh, 2-0 and so far this year uh, on national TV. We got the win over the uh, the 49ers and the, the win over the Jets on, on Monday Night Football. This also is on the road, same as those first two national TV games were, but uh, it's against the Packers, who took us to the woodshed in week four and, uh, you know, used their victory over us to spring them to a four-game win streak before just losing last week against the uh, New Orleans Saints. So uh, they're sitting pretty at five and three, which is where I thought we would be uh, at this point uh, in the season. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. So we're sitting at three and five uh, on the and thanks to a victory by the Vikings during the bye week, the Vikings were the only NFC North team that didn't have the week off on Sunday. They beat the Redskins in Minnesota on Sunday. The Bears are in the in last place all by themselves right now. How awesome is that? So uh, the last place Chicago Bears playing the second place Green Bay Packers because Detroit is alone on top at six and two. The Packers six and three. Uh, Minnesota at four and five. So they're basically half a game better than us. But so, you know, they played nine games to our eight, but we sit at three and five in dead last in the NFC North. So awesome, right? All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. Got a couple of things to talk about on the injury front and uh, a little personal commentary from, from me on, on some comments that Lance Briggs uh, made uh, a couple of days ago. So uh, go ahead and, and uh, get to that and uh, in our news and notes segment before we move on to my unique take in the preview set segment so let's go ahead and get to it and we'll start our little news and notes section here with a quick injury report uh, just talking about things on the bear side of things there's really only one injury on the packer side of things that uh would be interesting uh, to us if it's even still an issue uh at this point but um uh the bears are pretty much going to be as healthy as they've been all season going into this uh game with the packers on sunday uh the names on the list there are nine of them but five of them, uh, Jordan Mills, Kyle Fuller, Danny McRae, Lance Briggs, John Bostic, are all full participation on Wednesday and Thursday practice. Uh, even Britton, Matt Slauson, and Daryl Sharpton uh, have not practiced yet this week. Uh, Matt Slauson is done for the season, so I'm not really even sure why he's on the injury list. He's, I mean, he hasn't been put on IR yet, but he's done for the year. And Martellus Bennett has been limited Um or was limited on Thursday. Anyway, uh, not really sure what the deal is there, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, everybody's going to be back as far as, um, you know, uh, we're going to have a full full load on, on with our linebackers, except for Daryl Sharpton, who hasn't practiced yet this week. But he's a backup, so he's not a starter, um, you know. And, you know, the one name that that isn't on this list that I find interesting is Marquise Wilson. Uh, he has been practicing uh, this week. He started practicing on Wednesday, uh, practice again today on Thursday, but uh, no mention of him being reactivated to the uh, 53-man roster. Um, 
or at least none that I've heard. Maybe I missed the report, but uh, I haven't seen him being reactivated to the roster uh, yet, and you know, or any corresponding roster moves. You know, maybe that's what they're holding off with Matt Slauson for. You know, instead of cutting a healthy player to you know replace Mark replace Matt Slauson's roster spot with Marquise Wilson once that's uh, ready and you know up and ready to go uh, there. But um, uh, the injury news, you know, number one leads into the Marquise Wilson, um, you know, injured on August the 4th in training camp uh, just before the first training camp game of the season uh, against Philadelphia, doing something that Mark Trestman said he didn't want his receivers doing, which was diving for the ball. He's diving for a pass that was out of his reach in the first place, breaks his collarbone in the process, and he misses the first eight games uh, of the season as he was heading into what was looking to be a very promising season for him his second year you know he was you know if, when he played he he you know didn't play much he you know he caught a few balls last year but he spent the entire off season down in Florida with Alshon Jeffrey with Brandon Marshall with Jay Cutler you know developing that chemistry Martellus Bennett was down there uh, as well you know you really thought these guys were going to come in you know and have that chemistry and, and have the timing down and just kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, not saying that Marquise Wilson was the glue that kind of held that together, but him getting hurt definitely threw a monkey wrench into things because then guys like Josh Morgan and Santonio Holmes and Eric Weems, uh, you know, guys that were supposed to be, you know, fourth receivers, or, you know, hell, Santonio Holmes was still looking for a job um, at the beginning of the NFL season uh you know we we brought him in off the street and um you know Josh Morgan who was supposed to be more of a you know fourth or fifth option at receiver and a you know special teams guy was was thrust into the the number three spot by default basically because Santonio Holmes was still learning the offense and you know Morgan had been around for the OTAs and and whatnot and you know next thing you know Josh Morgan's our number three receiver because we have no other choice kind of thing um you know that's you know not saying that the hole that marquise wilson left when he got hurt was a big one but it definitely threw a monkey wrench into the bears plans that's for sure so not saying that he's going to come in and light up the world when he is healthy and when he is uh, playing but um there is going to be some level of expectation there because uh you know we heard throughout the entire offseason the work that he was doing uh, with Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. And the reason that we were optimistic about that was not just so much the familiarity that it was helping build, but we heard the same thing after the 2012 season when Alshon Jeffrey spent the entire offseason with Brandon Marshall. And then in 2013, Alshon Jeffrey had this huge year. So we're like, wow, if, you know, if that much improvement was, you know, from, you know, with one offseason, uh, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey down there working out with Brandon Marshall, you know, learning how to manage his body right and, you know, get his nutrition down and all that kind of stuff. You know, the the the, the knock on Marquise Wilson was more of an attitude thing, not so much his his talent level. He's He wasn't a seventh round pick because he was a, a you know, and wasn't a good uh, productive football player. He was a seventh round pick because he walked out on his team. 
uh, because he didn't like his coach, Mike Leach, out there in Washington State, which is not exactly an admirable move, and it hurt his draft stock. So the Bears took a chance on him in the seventh round, and the things that they were seeing in practice and, and, and everything they thought was very promising. They think that he's still going to have a good career, um, but, uh, you know, it got delayed for half a season because he got himself hurt in uh, in the preseason. And, you know, going back to what I was saying there, you know, you, you kind of thought that the same thing would happen with Wilson that happened with Jeffrey, that, you know, he had that offseason down there. He's focusing on himself. He's improving his body, you know, getting the timing down, getting familiar with Jay. Jay's getting familiar with him. And then you saw what happened, you know, in 2013 with Alshon. You know, that's kind of not as high as, as an expectation with, the, with the Alshon Jeffrey, but definitely, you know, thinking that, wow, we're going to have three awesome targets and Martellus Bennett catching passes from Jay. This is going to be fantastic. And then, of course, he gets hurt, and now we're back to square one again. So, um, you know, don't expect Marquise Wilson to light up the world uh, when he comes out, but um, I would definitely like to see him light up the world when he comes out you know have some people kind of sleeping on him because he's missed the first half of the season because maybe they don't think he's in shape and have him exploiting them which of course will open up things for Martellus Alshon and Brandon so that's uh you know it things can only get better if Marquise Wilson comes in to make some kind of impact that's why he was one of my who to watch for guys uh in that mid-season review segment so that's uh that's my uh, my piece on on Marquise Wilson. Now, the other thing that our injury report has to do with um maybe not so much directly, but you know, because Matt Slauson is done for the year, there's been some reshuffling of the offensive line. Now, I don't know if the Bears are doing this for effect, if they're doing this for the media's benefit to you know, kind of keep Green Bay on their toes uh, as to how they're preparing to play against the Bears. But there was a lot of talk on that bye week about how the offensive line would be reshuffled. You know, would Jordan Mills slide into guard so Michael Ola could stay at right tackle? Was that a possibility? Would Roberto Garza, uh, who was a guard for, what, a decade, uh, you know, before he took over at center for uh, Olin Krutz, would Garza go back to being a guard again and have Brian De La Puente slide in at center, which he played at very well while Garza was hurt? And, you know, will it be Ola or Mills out there at the right tackle position? Uh, so far, what we've seen in practice on Monday, the Bears had us had a practice on Monday, and then they were off on Tuesday and then back to it again on Wednesday. On Monday, it was Ola at right tackle and Jordan Mills at left guard with, you know, Long and Garza and uh, Bushrod, you know, in their normal positions. Then on Wednesday, when they came back, Ola was at left guard, Jordan Mills was at right tackle. So I didn't hear how it went today. There weren't any reports on what the offensive line uh, configuration was today, but I don't know if they're doing that just so they're both getting reps at the position or you know if they're playing mind games with the Packers on who it is they need to be preparing for at what position uh and whatnot but that's one thing you want to keep your eye on on Sunday night when the Bears and the Packers take the field is you know where are those two guys lining up is Ola the tackle or is he the guard because Ola's played both he played at right tackle against the Patriots for Mills 
um, who aggravated that foot injury of his. And he played at left guard for three games for Matt Slauson when he was out with that high ankle sprain. So hasn't been a good year for Matt Slauson, has it? You know, had that ankle sprain first game of the season. He misses three games. <laughs> and then he's back for two games and he blows out his pectoral muscles. So not been a good 2014 for Matt Slauson. Aside from getting paid in January, uh, not been a good year for him. So, uh, But he's a solid football player and he'll be back in 2015 and I'm looking forward to that. So anyway... Just keep an eye on what that offensive line is going to look like when uh, when the Bears and the Packers take the field uh, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes uh, from there. I mean, Ola, is a, he's, he is a tackle. I mean, obviously offensive linemen in the NFL have to be versatile. Uh, there's nobody out there that, that, you know, shouldn't expect to, to, to learn multiple positions when you're a tackle, especially if you're a reserve tackle. Um, like Ola was, we signed him off the Miami Dolphin. I think they waived him, or we signed him off their practice squad, one of the two. And um, you know, but he's played left guard. He played left tackle for Bushrod for a game. I forget which one, or is it two games? He's played. He started six games for us at three different positions. I know he. Well, I guess that would be two. That's that's the math. He started one game at right tackle uh, against the Patriots. He started three games for. Slauson at left guard, so two games at left tackle for Bushrod. So, um, and you know, I can't ima- I don't remember one time that I heard Michael Ola's name during a game, as in, well, it was Michael Ola that got beat off the edge there and on the sack for Jay Cutler or anything like that. So, would have to assume that uh, you know, the less you hear about the offensive line, the better, or individual offensive linemen, I should say. And uh, aside from me talking about him on the show, I have heard almost nothing about Michael Ola this year. So I guess that's got to be a, a good thing. So, But again, like I said, keep an eye on that offensive line to uh, see who it is that takes the field on Sunday and uh, figure out how that's going to work for us. So anyway, last thing I wanted to talk about in this segment before we get to my preview segment is that um, it, it kind of goes in line with what I think is wrong with this team this year and 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 how you know things like this that keep happening make me less and less optimistic about what these last eight games are going to be like lance briggs on tuesday i believe that's where i saw it the first time even on the chicago bear website and that's the thing that surprised me the most was seeing it there but um the reporters asked him if uh, or how he felt or if he knew or if he had a feeling about 2014 being his last season in a bear uniform now i'm not so much i don't so much have a problem with lance answering the question uh because i don't think he should ignore it but with our focus and our attention needing to be everywhere but the future right now okay you don't want to think about you don't even want to think about next week when we play minnesota screw that we're thinking about green bay this sunday that's what you need to be thinking about you know lance briggs's answer should have been something i mean in my opinion it should have been something in that regard you know it'd be a no comment or I'm not trying to th- I'm not even thinking about the end of the season. I'm just thinking about the Green Bay Packers. Even though it's a cliché answer, it shows me and anyone else who's paying attention where Lance Briggs' mind is at. 
but he's already talking and openly admitting that, yeah, I'm certain that this is probably my last year in a Chicago Bear uniform. Um, like honestly, this this is where your mind is at. This is where your mind is at. You're this you're you're already thinking about what's happening after this year, you know. And that, to me, I think that's what the problem is. He's supposed to be one of the leaders. He's the most tenured guy on the defensive football team right now. He's been playing. He's been a starter, you know, aside from being, you know, having an injury or two. He's been a starter since we drafted him in 03. This is his 11th, 12th year in the league. He's been a starter all that time. And with Erlacher gone, he's the guy on the defensive side of the ball. He's the guy calling the signals. You know, he's the one that they look to. He's supposed to be the leader. And this is what he talks about. He actually answers the question, honestly, which blew me away. I could not believe it. You know, why aren't you saying something like, we're not trying to talk. We're not thinking about that right now. That's that's 2015. We're thinking about 2014. And more importantly, we're thinking about Green Bay on Sunday. And like I said, that's a cliche answer. But it's it's the answer I believe he should have given to to show to show the media, to show the public, to show the fans, his focus is on winning this game so we can worry about, because if we lose this Sunday, mathematically, we're not out of it, but basically we're done if we lose on Sunday. Three and six, um, you know, I believe Detroit's going to win, so they'll be seven and two. We'll be four games out with seven games to go. Uh, and granted, two of those games are against Detroit, but I just don't see us making up the ground. We, we have to keep winning, or we definitely have to win this Sunday. This is a must-win uh, game for the Bears. Like I said, they're in playoff mode from here uh, from here on out. That's that's it. We have to keep winning. It's it's win, it's one and done basically for the Bears for the rest of the season. You know, they 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 they're only allowed, in my opinion, one loss in this second half of the schedule. And it's not impossible, but. You know, like I said in the review, uh, the midseason review, it's not impossible, but do you think it's possible? <sighs> when I hear comments like this, no, I don't. Because, you know, this isn't some guy, this isn't Chris Conti we're talking about. Somebody that the Bears and Bear fans, quite frankly, coming into the year, didn't want around in the first place. This is Lance Briggs. This is the guy on defense. He's the guy on defense for us. Our, you know, our, our elder statesman, our leader, uh, you know, the guy, like I said, guy calling the plays. And he's answering the fact that, yeah, I'm, I think I'm done. I'm probably not going to be back or whatever, you know, just kind of matter-of-factly answering the question. I, it just doesn't sit right with me. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't sit right with me that he would answer the question the way that he did. You know, for, for me, the answer to that question is, you know, no comments or I'm not trying to think about what's going to happen after the end of this year. I'm only thinking about the Green Bay Packers, you know, something along those lines that shows that his focus is in the here and now, not what's happening to him after this damn season is over. You know, because it's thoughts like that, you know, thoughts and recollections like that and the Lamar Houston sack dance when you're down 25 and the game is already over, stuff like that. You know, the locker room blow ups and, uh, you know, all of the, 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 the heat that Tressman is is uh, is probably facing at, at this point. You know, it's 
I'd say it's 50-50 that he might get fired if the Bears don't play well because I don't think the Bears have ever fired a coach in less than three seasons. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears finish 7-9 and nine or 6-10 and 10 that, uh, you know, if they play the last eight games anything like they played the first eight, you'd there's what, what the hell are we going to keep them around for? What are we going to keep them around for? Because, um, you know, last year's lack of success had a lot to do with the defense and the injuries, and, you know, the guys that were pulling off the street just to fill the roster spots uh, and everything. That's why Mel Tucker still has a job um, because, you know, they, they let him get away with, with that. Defense is still a huge problem. And aside from losing Peanut Tillman, you know, it, w- we haven't been hit as hard or had as catastrophically with injuries uh, as we were a year ago. Um, and, you know, we we put it all on the offense. And for the most part, the offense was able to bring us out of it. And that's not happening this year because with the way the defense is playing, the offense has to be 100% perfect to win a football game. And anytime the offense makes one mistake, we automatically just lose the game. So, anyway, yeah. So, like I said, this it's Briggs answering the question the way he did just doesn't sit right with me. And I think, you know, as I've said before, I think it speaks to everything that's wrong with this team. And it's it's comments like that that make me think that we're not going to be able to dig this thing out in the second half. You know, I want us to. I absolutely want us to. I will cheer like the top of my lungs every single game. You guys know me. I have the, a passion and a love for this team, you know, like every, just like just like you guys do. I love this team. I want this team to win. But you have to be realistic about things. And when your leader on defense, the guy, the cornerstone, you know, the one who was the last man standing as far as like the 06 uh, Super Bowl team is concerned, when he's already talking to him that, you know, doesn't have one foot out the door. He's got both feet out the door. He's, you know, checking out the scenery on the outside looking in already with eight games left to go. It just doesn't sit right with me. So I had a huge problem with what Lance Briggs said, how he answered the question uh, and everything else. And, and I think it's, it spells for dark days ahead for the Bears and for us Bear fans who love and support them the way that we do. So anyway, on that cheery note – we're going to go and step into the review, or excuse me, the preview segment, and talk about this game between the Bears and the Packers, this pivotal, all-important game on Sunday Night Football. Now, you know, in these preview segments, I usually like to talk some kind of strategy talk about some X's and O's, some techniques, something that the Bears should try to do or something that we should look for from our opponents on Sunday. Um, I'm not going to do that this week. Uh, You know, I've been saying that that I have a unique take on this thing. Maybe I'm not the only one saying it. I haven't heard anyone else say it up at this point. But, uh, you know, here's my take on this Sunday night. It doesn't matter what the Bears do strategically, you know, strategy-wise. It doesn't matter what the Bears do on Sunday. 
it doesn't matter, quite frankly, what Green Bay does strategy-wise on Sunday. And here's why. Because in the last, the last, uh, in the first half of the season, the last two games especially, the Bears have lacked majorly in the area of of heart, of determination. Uh, you know, like playing with a sense of urgency. You know, you know, getting off to those really slow starts. Whether it's like, hey, the offense came out and scored on the first drive. And the defense gave up, you know, an 85-yard answer uh, in return. 14, 15 plays, six and a half minutes, and the defense, you know, lets the, uh, you know, lets the opponent tie the game. Or the offense is three and out the first three drives, and, you know, the defense is giving up long drives. Just like we're completely lost when we go out there. If the Bears don't play like men on a mission, if they don't play angry, you know, because this is what I wrote down. If the Bears don't come out like they are angry, if they don't show a sense of urgency, if they don't play with heart, what they do won't matter strategically. It won't matter because, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter if they have the world's, guest, the world's best game plan. If they're not out there playing like they want it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I'm not saying that the Packers are the most determined team in the world. I'm saying that the Bears aren't, or at least they haven't been for several weeks now. You know, they, they, they just play like it's supposed to happen just because they showed up. And I'm not saying that this, in a, like with a sense of arrogance or anything like that, as far as like what the Bears, like I don't think the Bears are being arrogant about it as far as like, you know, them expecting things to happen just because they, they appeared. But at least they're just playing like uh okay well we called the play and uh i ran the route so uh, it should have been we got a first down we should have got a first down or this play we should have scored a touchdown or you know we should have sacked the quarterback here and you know that didn't happen so oh well always move on to the next one you know there's this real lackadaisical very kind of laid back attitude that that i'm sensing from the team and you know, it really makes, honestly, for boring football, for starters. You know, there really hasn't been an exciting, like, oh, my God, game ex- since the San Francisco game. Um, you know, the the Jets game was interesting towards the end because they, they got close to, you know, scoring right before the end of the football game. Okay, fine. But the Green Bay game, it was exciting in the first half because they were back and forth, but it was also – you know maddening at the same time because hey the bears came out and boom they moved the football took the opening drive 16 plays put into the end zone boom then aaron Rodgers takes all of two minutes and five plays to score a touchdown to answer you know and that was the pattern throughout the rest of the first half and then in the second half it was turnover turnover ball game 38 17 we lose you know fast start against carolina pissed it down our leg in the second half should have won that game and we lost it you know slow start against atlanta came out second quarter you know took control third quarter we gave it back then second half of the third quarter we took the control back and kept it throughout the fourth quarter and what at this point has been the most complete game the team has played so far this year and then week seven against the dolphins we never showed up for that game i mean it just didn't happen 
you guys heard the knee-jerk reactions. It's like if anybody wants to bring their heart or their balls out of the locker room for the second half and join Jay Ratliff in this game, I'd be happy to see it. It didn't happen. You know, we had that opening drive in the third quarter. Where, you know, okay, we got the ball game back down. It's it's 14-7 to now, and then defense gave up like a 12-play, eight-minute drive to the Dolphins who – took the score back basically and made it so that it was basically back to being 14 nothing again and we, we we never had a grasp we were never in control of that football game and you know we got booed out of our own stadium there then we take it on the road against the patriots not that i thought the bears were going to win that game but i didn't think it was going to be a joke i mean and it was bad it was bad i mean you're just you're just not getting a sense of any real passion taking place on the field. You know, you don't get a sense that these guys are excited to play football. That's just not what I'm getting from them. And if we'd play like that on Sunday, we're going to lose. It's, and it's not even going to be close. It's not going to be close. We're going to lose. If they don't come out, if we don't come out, let's – because. Let's be real, you know. <laughs> we say we because we love them. If we don't come out that way on Sunday night against Green Bay, if we don't come out with reckless abandon and play like a bunch of wild men out there, play with some passion, some heart, some some zeal, some, you know, whatever, we're going to lose the game. We'll lose it. And you'll hear me call it in the first quarter, knee-jerk reaction. I will come out and say, and, and you look just look forward to it, folks. If, if I don't see that from them in the first quarter, I will go on that first quarter knee-jerk reaction and say that we're going to lose the game. We are going to lose because we're coming out the same way. Like we haven't just spent the last two weeks watching the first half of the season in disaster mode because that's all the first half of the season could be classified as an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. You didn't win any football games at home. The last two games before the bye week were the worst performances of the year by far. By far. You know, we turn the football over one time in any football game, we automatically lose because we have to be absolutely perfect to win football games. This is the NFL. That's not going to always happen. You have to be able to face adversity and win. You have to be able to do it. You just have to. You have to be able to bounce back from one stinking turnover. Hell, you, every now and then you might have to bounce back from two turnovers. Some teams are better at it than others. We used to be great at it as far as forcing turnovers. But, you know, there's going to be a game every now and then where the team that turned the ball over twice and couldn't force any turnovers will win the game. And we aren't playing like a team that has even thought of doing that. With, with the level of, of, you know, like I said, just lackadaisical, you know, just kind of going through the motions. That's, that's what I'm sensing from this team. Like, they're there because they have to be. And, uh, you know, they're going to collect their paycheck and then show up next week too. Just, you know, because we got a, a motor contract and I honor my contracts. And, you know, I'm going to show up for work and, and do my job. And if anyone else uh, wants to do their job too, hey, that's great. If not, hey, that's okay too. I still get paid. That's kind of the attitude that I'm getting from this team. And if we have even an inkling of that on Sunday night, Green Bay is going to kick our ass. So that's all I have to say. You know, I, it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's none of this, 
you know, run the football to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. What we do isn't anywhere near as important as how we do it on Sunday. If we don't get after him, I mean, I want somebody to tear the jersey off of Rodgers' back. You know, get after him. Willie Young, Jared Allen, Jay Ratliff, Stephen Pye, Will Sutton, Eagle Ferguson. I don't care. Somebody has to take the lead here. Okay. Everything that we're seeing is like we are a leaderless team from the head coach on down. You know, because like I said a few minutes ago, our leader on defense is already gone. You know, he's pretty much reserved to the fact he's not going to be wearing the blue and orange next year if he's still playing football. He's already packing his stuff and he's left town already. So he's not here. He's not present with his team here and now. And that's a huge problem. Somebody has to step up. Somebody needs to be a leader. Somebody's got to be the man. Somebody's got to want the job. Because Briggs is treating it like he's elsewhere, so why the hell would he want to be a leader of a team he's not going to be a part of anymore? That's what I get from the comments that he made the other day about like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last year as Chicago Bear. Idiot. Shut up. Damn it. It's like I was was so mad when I read this comment. I cannot believe it. And, um, you know, we are a leaderless football team somebody's got to step up somebody needs to be the man on both sides of the football okay somebody other than brandon marshall because i don't think he's he's doing all the talking but i don't think brandon's a leader to be honest with you i I love brandon marshall amazing football player i want him on this football team until he retires he's not a leader not a leader so (laughs) somebody else has got to do it you know you miss guys like olin krutz i mean we miss I mean, not only we just miss Erlacher's output on the field, but Erlacher was a leader in the locker room. Maybe not the most vocal guy, but he was the leader. Everyone looked to him and he led. He led by example. Olin Krutz, he was a stud. Nobody messed with Olin Krutz. That's the reputation he had. We don't have anybody on the team like that anymore. We need somebody out there. Somebody with some some killer, some some tenacity, some some balls. God forbid we use that word. Some heart. Um So, like I said, what we do on Sunday won't matter nearly as much as how we do it. So that's what you got to look for on Sunday. If you don't see it from us on Sunday, we're going to lose the game, and it's going to be the beginning of the end of this season. So keep an eye out for that. And on that happy, super happy note, I will bid my farewell to you. We will be back on Tuesday, um, going to be on Tuesday when uh, we uh, talk about what went down in this football game and uh, see how it all shook out. Do we have an optimist? Is there an air of optimism, you know, about this football team? Is there a reason to look forward to the game against Minnesota other than it being our best chance to break this losing streak that, we'll, you know, we'll be on a three-game losing streak if we, uh, if we lose on Sunday going into that Minnesota game? You know, is there any reason in the world to be excited about watching the Bears play a football game at home next Sunday? We'll have to wait and see. So until then, my name is Larry D. Thanks so much for listening to the Chicago Bears Review.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.